Those last three theories that we just mentioned today, which is perhaps he lived all the way and it wasn't sick. Who tells you that it has to be sick when it's trefa? Second, perhaps they drank or ate a poison the second before the shechita, which completely shrank the heart. And third, perhaps a miracle happened. Yet, despite all those theories, they agree with the Chacham Tzvi in conclusion that in the case of this particular story, the chicken is kosher. So despite that they've come up with all those theories, arguing with the reasoning of the Chachantzi, with the basis for his ruling, which is you can't live without a heart, they come up with all type of theories that you could live without a heart, or you could live all the way till the Shechita with a heart, and then somehow the heart disappeared. Despite all of that, all of that they say, well, in your story, Chacham Tzvi, we agree with you that the chicken is kosher, but for a different reason. Which we'll soon see. However, they say, where we are going to argue clearly whether the chicken is kosher or not, it's going to be in the second scenario that you introduced. You went further and said, even if there is witnesses, that was the second scenario, right? Even there, says the Chachantia, I would say the chicken is kosher. They say, haha. There we will disagree with you about the ruling and we will say the chicken is treif. What is going on? What is it based on? It's based on a principle in Jewish law. <clears throat> and in the story, it is based, the story of the Chacham Tzvi, of the chicken in Altuna, it is based on a factor that was there, which is the cat. Let's not forget the cat. We focused on the chicken for a while. Now let's become friends with the cat because he's going to be helpful now. The Chacham Tzvi doesn't care about the cat. Remember, he says, even if there was no cat and there, were, there are two witnesses, I still hold that the chicken is kosher because you can't live without a heart and so on. They said to the Chacham Tzvi, no, we disagree with your principle, we can't live without a heart. That's not enough to say the chicken is kosher. However, you mentioned two scenarios. You mentioned the scenarios of the, the real story, the true story with the cat. And you then mentioned, theoretically, another story with the two witnesses without the cat. So we will tell you like this. Listen, in the cat story, the original story, okay, there is, there is another reason why we would agree with you that the chicken is kosher. But in the case of the witnesses, then there you went too far. There the chicken would be treif.
What is it based on? <clears throat> First, you have to know, we spoke about trifot, category of trifot, which include nekuva, perforated. And there are certain types of, certain organs that if it's perforated, not kosher. One of them is the intestines. The intestines of the animal, if they are perforated, treifa, the animal is not kosher. Now, this is what happened. Talmud relates a theoretical story. I don't know if the story actually happened, but it's a case. There was an animal, a sheep, let's say. And we did the shechita. And we opened the sheep to begin cleaning, to begin preparing it for cashering. And a wolf passed by. So you're like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? The wolf passed by, obviously he was hungry. He came, he picked something, and he ran away. And you're like, what did he take? So you go there, and you look, and you see, well, he took the intestines. All right. You're like, the Seda, we will do without the intestines. And before you know, he comes back, the wolf. And he drops the intestines. So obviously he wasn't interested in the intestines. He didn't like it. So he gives it back to you. But here's the problem. You take the intestines. And you look at it. And what do you see? Perforated. You see a hole. So what do you what do you do? It could be two ways. If the hole was there before the wolf took it, so your sheep is treif. But if the hole was made from the teeth of the of the of the wolf, then obviously it happened after the shechita. Then obviously your sheep is kosher. So someone will say, "Safek, it's a doubt. You don't know. Better be safe." And uh... but no, we don't say that. We don't say that. The reasoning is based on the combination of two elements. We combine those two elements and we say, based on that, you, you, could, you, could, you could eat your, your sheep, your sheep is kosher. Which is, <clears throat> number one, you have a wolf. You have a wolf who pick your intestine, 
there are chances likely that the perforation of the hole came from him. Okay, but that's not enough, right? Because there is the other side. So here's the thing. <clears throat> there is what it's called in Kashrut and other areas of Jewish law, Chazaka. The presumption of innocence. The presumption of Kashrut. Which goes like this. In Jewish law, you are innocent until proven guilty. Chazaka. You meet a person. Is he a kosher person? You never know. Maybe, maybe he's a thief. Yeah, maybe he's a thief. But we don't do that in Jewish law. We don't say maybe he's a thief. We say, unless proven he is a tzaddik. He's kosher. Ah, if you have a proof that he's a thief, then he's not kosher. Okay. For the laws of witnesses, for example, right? A thief or any non-kosher person cannot be used as a as a, as a as a witness. Can't use it for marriage, for example, right? Just to make it relevant today, right? When you have a, a wedding, a chuppah, you need two witnesses, two kosher witnesses. What is kosher witnesses? Kosher witnesses uh, is a good erlech uh, yid, an honest Jew. Now, this concept applies in many areas of Jewish law. It applies also here, which is a behemah, an animal. As soon as you make the shechita, there is the presumption that it is kosher. It is innocent until proven guilty. You want to tell me it's not kosher? Bring me a proof. So therefore, in this case, I combine that with the fact that I have a, a, a wolf. Together, the two elements, because one of the two is not enough, right? Together with the two elements, I say, my uh, sheep is kosher. And so therefore, thanks, in other words, let me put it in this word. Thanks to the, thanks to the presumption of innocence, of kashrut, I'm able, I am safe, I am encouraged to assume that the whole came from the wolf. That's known to be, in Jewish law, this whole pilpul, this whole thing which I just told you, this whole train of, this whole reasoning, it's one word. It's called tolim. Tolim. Talinan. Talinan means that we are safe to assume that if there is a reason, obviously, if there is some kind of a reason that could help you assuming that something happened, such as the wolf, so then thanks to the presumption of innocence, you are encouraged to assume that this is the case, and it is kosher, no worries, you can eat the sheep. Saying all those who are disagreeing with the Chacham Tzvi, they're saying, look, at the end of the day, in the case of the cat, we will say the chicken is kosher. 
Why? Because we don't know what happened. Now, you, the Chacham Tzvi, know 100% what happened. Because you have a reasoning that you cannot live without a heart. And everything. So for you, 100%, there was a heart and everything. We say, we don't know. 50-50. It could be either way. Either it could be there was a heart. Healthy and so on. And what happened after the Shechita, it got lost and the cat ate it. Or, uh, we will say the other way that, uh, no, there was no heart because of a miracle, or there was a heart up until the way, and then it, thanks to the poison, it, got, it, sh- it shrank, it disappeared, and so on. So what do we do? So we apply the same principle that we apply for the wolf there. We said like this, 50-50, right? But because there is the presumption of innocence, as soon as normally as you do a shechita, there is the cheskat kashrut unless proven otherwise. Together with that, I have the cat. So in this case, I'm encouraged to assume that it is the cat who ate the who ate the, the heart. The same way I assume that it is the wolf who perforated the intestines. However, they say, and now you understand, that being that in the story of the Chachansi of Altuna there, they agree that it's kosher only because of the cat. Then they say to the Chachansi, hey, when it's going to get to the second story, where there was no cat whatsoever, <clears throat> and you have two witnesses, we open, they say, no heart. What would you say, Chachansi? Chachansi would say, I said the, the, the witnesses are lying, and there was a heart, because you cannot live without a heart. They say to the Chachansi, no. In this case, we believe the witnesses. What happened with the heart? I don't know. Maybe there was a miracle. Maybe there was a poison just before and that caused the heart to disappear. Maybe it shrank slowly, slowly, and for some reason it wasn't sick. But here I cannot go against the witnesses. The Chacham obviously, for him, the idea that a person cannot live with a, a living creature cannot live without a heart and with a defected heart cannot be perfectly healthy, for him, that's absolute. That's so absolute that it is enough to go against the witnesses and to say that the witnesses are lying. And by the way, he proves that also details which I uh, did not share, obviously because it's so rich and it's beyond the scope of the course, but he proves this argument too. This is not just uh, his own reasoning. His own. He bases that on sources in the Talmud where, uh, where there are situations we, we, where nature, actually in the laws of uh, the moon, of uh, Kiddush HaChodesh, where uh, sometimes if the Bedin, the Jewish court, is able to determine based on science that it's impossible that they saw the moon, they could say to the witnesses, you guys are lying. So he proves from that, he says, you see, 
we tell them you're lying based on what? Based on science. Uh, and we don't say maybe a miracle happened. Maybe the moon, Hashem moved the moon, like he moved the sun in the time of Yehoshua. <laughs> so, therefore, he says, here is a proof that in Jewish law, when science tells you that uh, this is the case, it's enough to say the two people are lying. Based on the Talmud. So he said, in our case, I would say that too. Life, based on the heart, is science, is absolute. That it would, ha- that it would be enough to say to the witness in our line. Bezrat Hashem. Next week, we're going to find out a fourth and final theory. Which disagrees with the Chacham Tzvi and come up with a creative theory. A theory that was introduced by Rabbi Yonatan Eibishitz. If you're familiar with Rabbi Nassan Eibishitz, one of the greatest scholars of the 18th century as well, he not only came up with a theory, but he also asked the University of Hell at the time in Germany, who supported his theory, and he eventually even recorded that in his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. And guess what? The Jewish law, according to the Tzemach Tzedek, which uh, Chabad follows, the third Rebbe of Chabad, follows the opinion of Rabbi Yonatan Eibishitz, which we are going to discover next week, next week, Bezrat Hashem, along with the lesson, the lesson we can learn, the inspirational lesson we can all learn from the heart, from the chicken, not from the cat, we're going to leave the cat, but from the heart, Bezrat Hashem, and from the heart being central to, to life. Um, we'll find out, God willing, next week.